Welcome to the Epic Living Podcast with Jim Simcoe. I'm Jim Simcoe. I'm here to help you make your life epic. So let's get rolling. Hey, this is Jim Simcoe. Welcome back to the Epic Living Podcast. Pretty excited. This is episode number five. Never really did podcasting before, so I'm pretty stoked to do it. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm trying to work out the technical glitches every episode, so each episode gets a little bit better from that sense, so you don't hear like trains and planes and trucks and all different things going by. So hopefully you're, you can bear with me here and I'll eventually figure it out. I'm not the most genius tech guy in the world when it comes to this stuff. Anyway, today's episode is very near and dear to my heart. I think it will be for you too. Today's all about, uh, the title of our episode is How to Master Love, Sex, and Relationships. So these are things that sometimes don't go uh, aren't talked about a lot and definitely aren't talked about a lot by men, but I'm going to give you sort of the inside scoop on what I believe works and what has worked for me. So this, none of this is theory. This is actually, actually all based on my experiences. So let's get into it. So how to master love, sex, and relationships. And really the four reasons to listen in here are one, you'll be happier. If you have a lot more sex, you have a lot more love, and you have great relationships, you'll be a lot happier. You'll also be healthier. There's a ton of data out there that suggests that if you're having great sex, you have great relationship, and you have a lot of love in your life, that you're just generally a happier person. It kind of makes more sense. It kind of makes sense. The third reason, which I know some people will listen in just for this reason, is uh, by some of the tips we go through in here, my goal is to have it so that you have more lust-filled, just totally mind-blowing, fantastic sex in your life as much as possible. And then the fourth reason really is to, we'll talk about this a little bit later, is to drive with the emergency brake off. So if you've ever driven a car with the emergency brake, you, you realize that like, okay, you're driving, you're trying to drive, and something's going on, something's holding you back. And then you let go of the emergency brake, and all of a sudden the car takes off. And you're like, Jesus, what happened? What did I do? Like, Thank God I did that. So a lot of mistakes I see that I've made and that people I know have made have come from um, making, you know, basically driving with emergency, uh, with emergency brake on. So a little bit about me, for those of you who don't know me, um, obviously a man, I'm a husband, I've been married for almost 13 years to my beautiful wife, Kelly. Um, we met while I was walking my dog, and uh, we've been together ever since. I'm a father of two great girls, Kaya, who's going to turn 10, in June, and Noah, who just turned six. So we've been married for 13 years. My father to daughters. I have a lot of female friends, so I hear a lot of things. For some reason, I have one of those personalities that people tend to tell me stuff that uh, people tend to reveal their innermost secrets to me. I don't know why, but they do. I guess I'm a good listener some say, uh, some, at, to some end. That was tough to say. And also, the topic of sex and relationships interest, it really interests me as a guy because I'm not the typical hippy-dippy, touchy-feely guy. I'm a sort of, uh, you know, I can get really sensitive and, you know, can get in touch with my emotions, but I also love playing football and love doing fantasy football and, and, and love watching sports on TV. So I try to be the dichotomy between the two. Um, and because of that, the topic of sex and relationships really interests me because I see so many people, myself included, make really easily correctable mistakes. Just make the most basic mistakes in the world. Um, and, and I think, you know, hopefully this topic will help solve a lot of those mistakes for some people. And I really, I really also believe at the end of the day, like I really think that sex is such a big part of our lives and it really makes the world a better place. I know that that sounds cheesy, 
But if you can imagine if every world leader in the world woke up every day, you know, with great sex, a blowjob and a cup of coffee, I think we'd have a lot less war and we'd have a lot more peace in the world. So there's a pragmatist version of this as well. So the three goals of this podcast specifically, I'm going for massive impact here. So I'm trying to really change your life in the time we have together, really give you some tips and some, and, and some ideas that maybe look at your relationships, your sex life, and look at love a little differently. And I also want to give you an easy, you know, I want to give you an easy win. So we're going to go through some things that should be really easy for you to accomplish and you'll feel good about doing. But most importantly, I want to give you some actionable advice, actionable advice that you can actually use today, like in an hour. So this is not something that, you know, you need to work on for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and then then start putting into practice. This is stuff that I'm hoping will be effective for you right away. And with that said, you know, everything that I do in my life, whether it's my relationship, uh, my work stuff, my friends, sports, whatever, is I always go to the, to the Occam's razor theorem. Um, I know that seems kind of odd, but the Occam's razor theorem was developed by this guy, William Occam, and I'm sure I'm saying his name wrong. But in the 1400s, he basically, you know, you can look this up on Wikipedia and I'll put it in the show notes too. But he basically said that whatever the simplest path to something is, is probably the right path to take. So whatever the simplest solution to something is, that's probably the right way to take. So the, the quickest point between two lines is a straight line. So I really, 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 really believe that that is something you should consider when you're thinking about your uh, relationships and your sex life. And like the simplest path is usually the best. Okay? And I, I drone about this all the time, but again, we're looking for success. We're not looking for perfection. We're looking to make this easy for you. Okay. So we're going, and we're also going for effectiveness over efficiency. So efficiency is great if you're on the right path, but if you're on the wrong path, um, it's not doing you any good. So we're really looking for effectiveness over efficiency. So Occam's razor, baby. Uh, William Occam, 14th century, basically theory again states that uh, no one should make unnecessary assumptions and the answer to, pro- to any given problem is, is usually the simplest. So that's what we're going for in here. So um, going from that, let's talk a little bit about what a relationship is and really when you boil it down, what do we, what do we think it is and what does it really mean? And I look at it is that there are three main relationship metrics and they are when you're in a relationship with somebody, somebody who it's got to be somebody who adds something to your life, who so adds a, you know, something positive in your life. They they are bringing something additionally awesome to your life that you don't already have. It's the first thing. And the second thing is that it should be somebody who also brings out the best in you. I can tell you that Kelly brings out the best in me. Sometimes she drives me absolutely crazy, but she largely brings out the best in me, and she lets me be, or she helps me be a better man than I could be just on my own. So you want someone who adds to your life and brings out the best in you. I had an ex-girlfriend one time on a side note here who I won't say her name. Although I don't know why I'm not going to say her name because I'm sure she's never going to listen to this. But anyway, she was in LA and this girl and I, she was great. Nice person. We liked the same music. We had a lot of the same common interests, but man, dude, she just drove me freaking nuts. She just was a nag. You know, she would nag me. Um, and we would argue and I just hated the guy I was around her, you know, because I was just kind of like this kind of angry, bitter guy. 
and I'm just not that guy. I'm usually pretty optimistic and pretty happy. And and she just brought out the worst of me. And and obviously it's not just her, but she just triggered something to me that brought out the worst of me. So she clearly wasn't going to be the person I was going to spend the rest of my life with. Um, so those are the two of the metrics. Someone who adds something to your life, someone also brings out the best to you. And then the third relationship metric, as far as I'm concerned, is like, look, who do you have the best sex with? Like, is your sex life strong? Is it great? Is it something you look forward to? Are you still, you know, longing for that person after a number of years? And I'll tell you a little bit about um, uh, how these metrics came about. Um, I largely developed these from my grandmother who passed away. God, she passed away five years ago. When she died, she was, you know, mid 80s, still driving, still sarcastic, sharp as a tack. Um, and she actually uh, passed away while having heart surgery. So, I mean, she went the way she, you'd want to go, like on a uh, surrounded by friends and family. And, and she was just fantastic. She was the first one of the first women to go to college um, in their 30s. And just she was just great. But basically, she used to take me to get my braces when I lived, when we lived south of Boston, we lived in Attleboro. I grew up in Attleboro, Massachusetts. And she'd drive me to Tufts uh, into Boston to get my braces worked on. So we'd have these hour-long commutes both ways, and we'd talk about a b- bunch of different things. And at one point, I remember I was telling her about this girl in school, and I was saying, Graham, you know, this girl really likes me, and she wants to be my girlfriend, um, but I don't know. And I don't know if that's a, you know, if that's a great idea. And I, th- I want to say I was like high school or, you know, um, maybe it was middle school. Anyway, you know, what she said was she said, well, do you want to kiss her? Like, is she somebody you want to kiss? Is she somebody you want to hang out with? Do you find her attractive? And I was like, no, I really don't. Like, she's a super nice person. And because she's a super nice person, I probably should go out with her, right? I mean, she just seems like a nice person. And my grandmother was like, that's ridiculous. She's like, if you're not, if you're not attracted to her, um, you know, she didn't say it like that, but she's like, you know, if you don't think she's cute, why would you go out with her? And she was like, you know, be friends with her, definitely but there's no reason to go out with someone if you don't find them attractive. So those are the metrics that I look for, you know, it was largely um, came about by my grandmother's logic and, and, and that's something I would suggest. And, and then also once you get in that relationship with somebody, you know, and you're in that relationship, one of the ways you can tell if it's going well is that, you know, the person is bringing out the best in you. They challenge you, they support you. Um, They may be confusing, infuriating, and completely mind-boggling, even on a good day, but they are someone who challenges you, supports you, and they bring out the best in you. They're also a safe place. I also think of this as like, I think of my wife as being a safe place. She's a home base for me, a beacon in the sea. Sorry, I'm taking my sweatshirt off. Um, Somebody, she's somebody that I know always supports me, always has my back, and that's very comforting, especially running your own business and doing your own thing, like... um, it's just comforting to know that somebody supports you and, and that they have your back 100% of the time. Uh, your significant other also should obviously always turn you on. So again, going back to the sex thing, like you know, you should always have a an awesome, or hopefully you have an awesome sexual relationship with your significant other. Now, some of the typical problems we get into when we have these kinds of relationships is uh, what I see from friends and uh, who are in relationships who have challenges. Uh, there are four major problems that I see with people, and I've faced each one of these. And the first one is probably the most serious, and that's a lack of connection. That's just when you're just not connecting with your significant other, your partner, at, at any level. And you know you don't really know what to do about it, but you're just not connecting. The second one is you're just bored. 
you know, you've been with a person for a little bit and you're just kind of in a rut and you're just kind of bored with each other. The third is when you start to nag or you start to pick at each other. And that's also something that, you know, sort of a typical problem you see with people. And the fourth problem is, is that when you're too damn busy and like, you know, you're running around all day long, your partner's running around all day long. At the end of the day, you're just exhausted, wiped out, and there's no time and or inclination to have any kind of connection at all. So those are the problems you see. And, and really, you know, what do we, when we're, when we have those problems, why is that? Is it because there's a lack of effort or is it just because, you know, we don't care or what is it? And it, it, what I see is no, that's not the case. I see a lot of people make a lot of effort, but they make it in the wrong areas. And, and we all do sort of the same wrong things, right? So we, from, a, from being wrong, we all largely try too hard at the wrong things. We don't try at the right things. We don't know the difference between the right and wrong things. And we ask the wrong questions. So if I'm trying to keep my wife happy and I'm bringing her flowers every single day and I'm telling her how beautiful she is, well, if that's the wrong thing and that's not something that's going to work with her, then not only am I not doing the right thing, but I'm spending time, effort, and money to do the wrong thing, which is the thing that's not working. So that just doesn't work. And so that's my next point is like, you know, what doesn't work with when, when you're in a relationship is guessing, <clears throat> guessing and wondering, you know, like, is this the thing that's going to make them happy? Is this the thing, you know, if, if they're wondering, you know, is this the thing that's going to make him happy? Those are all things that are not uh, what you want to be doing, you're doing in your relationship. Arguing doesn't work in a relationship. Doing endless therapy doesn't work in a relationship. Uh, constant sharing in a relationship. You know, like we're always, you know, you always hear people say like, hey, you got to be open. You got to be honest. Uh, you need to share everything. You know, you need to be like that. You need to be an open book 100% of the time. I think that's total bullshit. I think that that's total bullshit. I think each person deserves to have their space and they're independent and, and you share when it's important to share, but you don't have to share, you know, how many minutes you spent in the bathroom this morning. I mean, that's ridiculous. So if those are the things and those are the problems around what doesn't work, well, really what does work? And, and here's what I've seen both in my relationship, people I know, and uh, uh, successful relationships that I see when I would include Kelly and myself as being uh, a successful relationship. So what I, what I think really works is balance. So I think having balance in the relationship, there's four things that really work. Uh, having balance in the relationship, times when you're together a lot, times when you're apart, um, just having a level of balance in your relationship, having a certain amount of respect and really respecting the other person. You don't have to agree with them, but you have to respect them. If you don't have respect in your relationship, um, it's that leads to contempt. And contempt is, uh, and if you look at some of the studies on this, contempt is the number one reason people break up or get uh, or get divorced. And one of the easiest ways to understand contempt is contempt is often revealed in what you call the other person when you're angry at them or when you're when you're talking about them. So if if I'm really mad at Kelly, I'll be like, you know, God damn it, you know, like she did this, 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 and this, you know, I'm so pissed. Okay, that's one thing. If I'm really mad at Kelly and I say, you know, God damn it, she did this, this, and this, she's such a bitch. You know, she is an effing da 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 and I start name calling 
name calling is the biggest sign of contempt. So if someone's name calling you, that's a level of contempt and that's a relationship that's probably in trouble. I hate to say that, uh, but if you're calling each other names, that's contempt. That's something that is uh, one of the biggest indicators of a relationship that's not going well and then also a relationship that's filled with contempt and is probably on its on its way out. So, so contempt uh, is the exact opposite of respect. Having respect in a relationship is is really, really, really key. Also having connection. So being connected in certain in certain situations uh, in your daily life is really, really important. Also interdependence and independence. So being dependent upon one another, but then also having your own level of independence is really, really, really key. So those are some of the things that the four areas that work. And, and you know, my personal philosophy is that in my relationship, my relationship is very much like my business and very much the re- like the rest of my life. And you hear me drone on about this, but I really believe in success, not perfection. So I don't believe that I have to be right all the time. So I have let go of being right. I'm wrong all the time with Kelly. I love that woman. I'm wrong with her all the time. I'm choosing my personal philosophy is I choose to be happy over winning. So I don't need to win every argument. Um, I'm not looking to be perfect. I'm going for success. I'm not trying to be right. These are things that I'm choosing over that. So I'm choosing to be happy over winning, which largely has made me happy in my relationship. You know, in the beginning, I wanted to be perfect. I wanted to be the perfect guy. I wanted to be right all the time. And it was a bloodbath. It was freaking brutal. Um, and so that's not something I really recommend anybody, anybody do. Along with that personal philosophy, it's something to think about your relationship is um, there's a difference between values and things in common, right? So this is one thing I look at when I talk to people about relationships or I look at other people's relationships or even my relationship is that a lot of times people will say, oh, I love this person. They're so great. We've got so much in common. We've got so much in common. Well, quite frankly, I don't think having things in common is really that big a deal. My wife and I, man, we've got virtually nothing in common. I love the beach. She loves the mountains. I get sick in the mountains from altitude sickness. You know, she gets sunburns at the beach. Um, I listen to old school hip hop, blues music, old school rap, a variety of different things. She listens to meditation music and Kirtan music and Sonatum Core, which, you know, I like all that stuff too, but we just don't really have a ton in common. Um, and that's totally fine. That's totally, totally fine because what matters most, I believe, is our values. So our values are in lockstep with one another. Our values, you know, what I believe is largely what she believes. And, and having things in common are really nice, but they're really not sustainable. You know, like if you look at, if you look at values versus things in common, like, okay, let's say, let's say one of your values is that you're vegan and you don't believe in animal cruelty. Well, if you start dating somebody who hunt, who's a hunter, um, because you've got the, you know, because you both love surfing and you both have that in common, well, that relationship's not going to last that long because like you believe in preventing animal cruelty and the other person believes in, uh, uh, administering animal cruelty and death. Like you both might like surfing. You both might, might like the New England Patriots, but that's relationship is doomed. So when you're starting to, 
uh, look at your relationships, look at the things that you both value and the things in common. And I really believe this also ties a lot into the respect aspect. And the more that you see someone who's got the same similar values as you, the more you'll end up respecting them. So from that, when you think about values and things in common, one of the things, again, is that because we're so busy in our typical lives and because we're so running around from thing to thing, and that's, you know, whether you have kids or pets or career. I mean, I don't know anybody right now who's not super busy. I should actually probably do a podcast on how to be less busy. Um, let me know if you think, if you think that would be cool. So because of all those things, it's really important that you're able to connect. And how do you connect? Well, there are four ways to connect instantly. And, and, and they are, the first and foremost is that you got to, you got to recognize that being able to connect really, really matters. And it really is the fuel that drives everything else. If you're not connecting with your, with your significant other, your spouse or your partner, then nothing else is going to work. You got to be connected and to be connected, you got to be present. So you actually got to be there. You got to be, um, able to listen. Um, you got to be able to, you know, contribute to the conversation. You need to be able to connect, even if it's only for a couple of minutes, you just need to be able to take that time and connect. So you got to be present. Second, uh, third thing is you're going to need to be able to listen. So you need to be able to hear what the other person is saying and, and really take it in and make sure that they know that you are listening. One of the easiest ways to do this, this is the fourth thing is to just kill your iPhone or your, you know, your phone and your iPad when you're home or when you're around that person. Usually there's nothing more important than the time you're spending with that person, <clears throat> even if it's a short period of time. So uh, I, I've noticed that when I come home at night after a long day, um, I turn my phone off. I get to play with my kids, get to connect with my wife for several hours. And then I'll, you know, I'll turn it back on at the end of the night and finish up any emails I want to do. But when it's off, I'm much, I'm much able, I'm much more able to connect because I don't hear the constant beeping of a, you know, my text thing going off or anything else. So you're just fully, fully present. You'll find that when you're fully, fully present, the other person really respects that. Think of a time when you're talking to somebody and they're looking at their phone or they get a phone call and they take it. You know, like you look at them and you're like, Jesus, man, what an asshole. Like I'm talking to you right now. Put your phone down. So that goes for us too. When you start uh, looking at that with your own relationship is you got to be able to connect. And those are four ways to connect instantly. First and foremost is to recognize that it matters. Second is to be present. Third is to listen. And the fourth is to kill your phone and your iPad. <clears throat> now, with all of that said, you probably know that I'm a big believer in making life easy. So I believe a big key to having an epic life is to make, just make your life easy. So along those lines, how do we make our relationship easy? Well, first and foremost thing is to be honest and to have honesty in your relationship. And, you know, don't be afraid to tell your woman or your man, um, how you're feeling because the more you hide your feelings, you, I'll tell you, I'm the king at hiding feelings. And I've learned this uh, after 45 years is that just the more honest and transparent you are, the better it is. You don't always have to be delivering good news, but if you're delivering, delivering it with honesty, um, you have your, your significant other will, will definitely appreciate it. They may not like it right then and there at that time, but they will long-term appreciate it. The other the, key way to make your relationship easy is to answer the two questions. I'm going to get into what the two questions are in a second, but basically there are two questions you can ask <clears throat> to really change a relationship. Um, I know that when I ask them, 
it really changed my relationship with my wife. So I'll get into those in a second. It's kind of like getting the answers to the test before you actually take a test. So it's, imagine if you could go back to high school, take the SATs, and uh, have all the answers written out, and you just fill out the little Scantron thing uh, while you're into the while while you're into the test. So, third thing, obviously, you probably know that I probably going to say this, but make your relationship easier. Have a lot of sex, man. Have as much sex as you can. I think it's one of the things. It's you know I can't say enough about it. I mean, I think it's one of the greatest things in the world, and I think it's good for everybody involved. Lots of good, healthy sex raises your heart rate, kills your stress levels. I mean, just. You know, burns calories. It's fantastic. So, okay. So here are the two questions to a better relationship. The first question is, is when you're sitting down with your, with your partner, you say, what is the most important thing to you in our relationship? And then the next question you ask is, what's the least important thing to you in our relationship? <clears throat> and these questions, which may seem really, really simple and really elementary, I found to just be great, great questions to ask because the answers that you will get are significantly different than probably what you think they are. So you ask these questions um, so that basically there are like six reasons why this works, right? So the first is that it eliminates the fluff and the BS. So you're, you're basically saying, look, man, what's the most important thing to you? What's the least important thing to you? Okay, so you want to just get rid of all the fluff and get the right answers from, from the person. They're also really uh, second... Uh, Second reason this, this works is that they're open-ended questions that inspire conversation about a topic that you want to know about. Like, look, you want to make your significant other happy, don't you? I mean, I would assume you would if for no other reason it'll make your life easier and make your life uh, more enjoyable. Uh, the third reason this works we talked about already is like it's like getting the answer to the test that you really want to pass. Fourth reason is it allows you to answer as well. Fifth reason is that you get to see your partner's reaction to your answer. So if you're like, hey, one of the most important things to me is that we have sex five times a week and your partner's like shaking her head vigorously, like, hell yeah, man, I'm totally down with that. You'd be stoked. If she kind of like sits back, crosses her legs and kind of gives you that closed up body language, well, then you know you're in trouble. So, <clears throat> and, and the final reason is, is you get some ideas as to what's driving your other person. So as an example, I used this a little bit before. The beginning of our relationship with my wife, um, I used to bring her flowers all the time. Just tell her how beautiful she was, you know, all of that stuff. Spending a lot of you know, time and money and doing things that I thought were super, super thoughtful. <clears throat> so one day we're having this conversation, and I asked her this question. You know, we were reading this book, so I asked her this question, and I said, you know, you know, what do you think of that? You know, about all this, and she said, look, I like. She basically said, look, I like the flowers, and I'm great you know, happy you think I'm beautiful. She's like, but I just want you to put your socks away and empty the damn dish dishwasher every now and then. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she says, well, you know, when you empty the dishwasher, it means that you're thinking about a way to make my life easier. She's like, that's the biggest turn on in the world is when you're actually thinking about how to make my, my life easier and make, uh, and contribute to my life. And I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like emptying the dishwasher is going to turn you on. I mean, I don't have to go buy flowers. You know, I don't have to like do all this other stuff, which I thought was like the thing that you wanted. All I did was ask the question. I asked the question and found out like, you know, my, you know, at the time my wife was like turned on by the fact that I would empty the dishwasher because of meant I was thinking about her. Dude, that was like the easiest thing in the world to do in our relationship. And, you know, and it was wonderful. I found out it was just a, just a great, great, great 
just a great, great thing. So those are the six reasons to ask those questions. You know, so again, the questions are, what is the most important thing to you in our relationship? What is the least important thing to you in our relationship? And I'll have all this in the show notes later on. So you'll have a, you'll have a working document for this. The other thing I always think is to have that yes, no talk very early in the relationship. Um, The yes, no talk is really all about the values. So as an example, you know, do you want kids? Are you willing to move to another city? You know, do you want to share finances? You know, I'm Catholic. Are you willing to change to be Catholic or do you want to stay Jewish? Are you going to be Buddhist? Whatever. Um, Are our politics in line? You want to have these questions early on in the relationship. Because like, let's say, for example, you say, do you want to have kids? And you want to have a huge family. You come from a big family and you want a big family. And your partner's like, no, I'm not interested in kids at all. I don't like kids. Uh, I don't like them at all. Well, if that's an absolute for you, then you really need to think about that relationship and see if it's gonna see if it's gonna work a long time. So you have to you have you have this talk, the yes no talk, early on in your relationship. <clears throat> excuse me, to see what your absolutes are, what are your negotiables, and to get really clear with one another uh, about these topics, so that you can see really where your relationship stands. And again, these are value topics. These are all about the values that you believe and really what you want out of your life. Because what I see a lot of times, I see people in these relationships that, you know, where like the guy doesn't want kids, the girl wants kids and they stay in this relationship for like two, three years and they eventually break up. And I'm like, dude, you knew you were never going to stay with this guy long term if he didn't, you know, because he doesn't want kids. So have that talk early so that you can, you know, make your life easy and get rid of some aggravation um, uh, with that situation. The yes, the yes and no talk I call it. I'm a big fan of that. And we'll put some examples of that in the show notes. So the last thing I want to talk about in this section, and again, we'll talk about this section. Uh, we'll have this talk again. We'll do another podcast specifically just on sex. But I'm going to give you six ways to make sex just absolutely fantastic. Um, <clears throat> so the first way to make sex fantastic is to realize that foreplay starts right after that last orgasm. So when you're in bed, you guys are done, you know, let's say you're not going to have sex for a few days, a couple weeks, whatever it is, all that foreplay starts from there on. So if you're nice to your woman or you're to your guy, or you're doing little things, you're connecting with them, you're present with them, you're listening to them. That's all foreplay. That is all foreplay, foreplay. And that's all building a connection with your partner. Okay. So just remember that foreplay starts as soon as you're done, and it might go a couple of weeks. But the the sooner you realize that, then the sooner you'll be on a path to healthier, uh, more frequent, more awesome sex. The second thing is to know what I always call this: know what turns her on with her clothes on. So again, I'll go back to the example of the dishwasher, and and you know, in lieu of getting flowers and bringing flowers, I found that. Emptying the dishwasher was huge for my wife. Um, you know, some people might be like, you know, reading poetry together, or maybe it's like, you know, your significant other really wants you to watch uh, a romantic comedy or a chick flick with him or her. Um, for a guy, it might be like, you know, having you come and watch one of his basketball games. Who knows what it is, but you need to know. Okay, that's number two. You got to know what turns your partner on when their clothes are on. What is it about you or what can you do to turn your partner on when you have your clothes on? The third thing, and this is uh, largely 
for those of us who have kids or have extremely busy lives is that while spontaneity is great, you really need to schedule sex. You need to schedule sex dates. You need to say like, look, Monday, 10 a.m., we are getting together for an hour and then I'm going back to work. I'm not booking any meetings during that time. You need to have it and schedule it. Because one of the biggest parts of sex that people don't talk about is the anticipation. Like if I know I'm having a date with my wife next Friday at 10 a.m., I'm going to look forward to it all week. So, and if other things come up during that week that allow us to have, you know, to be spontaneous, well, that's great. But I know that I have it in the schedule that Friday at 10 a.m., man, uh, I'm locked and loaded and life is good. So forget spontaneity, schedule sex, schedule some sex dates with each other. The fourth thing, and this is going to be somewhat uncomfortable for you guys, but you got to get comfortable with your own body. So women and men, you got to get comfortable with your own body. I'm not saying you have to look perfect. I'm not saying that uh, you need to ignore all your flaws, but you need to be comfortable in your own skin and comfortable in your own body. Because look, if you're not comfortable in it, how can you expect the other person to be comfortable with it? So get really comfortable with your own body and you'll find that your partner will be more and more comfortable um, with their body. Everybody is self-conscious about their bodies. Um, my brother, who is my age, he's 45 and lives in San Francisco with his husband, and he, you know, he's got like 2% body fat. He's huge. He works, he works out CrossFit. He does CrossFit like five times a week. And, and Michael is just a, you know, he's a gorgeous guy. 2% body fat, I'm sure he's self-conscious about his body. We all are. Accept that and move on. Just get comfortable with your own body. Uh, the fifth thing is to sleep naked together as much as possible. So when you get the chance, uh, when you're sleeping at night, I always recommend sleeping naked. It always leads to something fun in the morning or it sometimes leads to something fun in the morning. So sleeping naked really kind of brings out that animalistic vibe in both of you. And then the last thing, the sixth thing about how to make your sex life fantastic is to ask and answer. So have frank sex conversations. Um, I prefer to do these at dinner. Uh, you know, you go out to a nice restaurant, have a bottle of wine, and like find out like, look, what do you like? What don't you like? What really turns you on? What time of day is better for you? What you know? What when are you most likely wanting to fool around? When are you least likely? wanting to fool around. You know, I, I found out early on, I won't, get into, I won't go into all the details, obviously, but, you know, like if my wife is more turned on in the morning, well, okay, then I'm going to schedule and I'm going to make make it happen so that, you know, morning time is good for us. If she's least likely to want to do something in the, in the late afternoon or evening, well, okay, then we'll arrange our schedule accordingly. It's just good to know. I know that in the beginning of our, our relationship a long time ago, you know, I was always a night person. So I was at the end of the night, I was like, yes, that's exactly when I want to have sex. Well, if she's not into it, then, then, you know, it's just not going to be as good. So again, we're going for success, not perfection and having the answers to the test. And the, one of the answers, the way to get the answers to the test is to ask the teacher what the answer is. So find out from your, find out from your partner, like, look, man, when is best for you? What do you really like doing? What don't you like doing? And if you're having a nice bottle of wine at dinner or if you just had a nice dinner, it's an easier, you know, with low lights, it's an easier way to ask those questions and get the actual response that you need to get. So find out what do you like? What don't you like? You know, what can I do to get you in the mood? What time of day is best? What time is worst? And, you know, what I found out with my wife is that, again, not going into all the details here, but emptying the dishwasher, 
putting my socks away, giving her a back massage. Those are all things that she really, really enjoys. Now, if you ask me about those three things, I wouldn't care. I don't like having my back massaged. I don't care if the stuff is in the dishwasher. And I wouldn't care if she put her socks away. I have no idea about any of that stuff. But, but again, I'm trying to find out what works for her. So we'll talk more about that in a future episode. But I wanted to give you some insights into love, sex, and relationships. I hope some of this has been helpful for you. Um, two books I highly recommend, which I'll put in the show notes as well, that really have changed our marriage and changed on how I look at being a man one of them is called The Five Love Languages. If you haven't read it, I would highly recommend it. This talks all about how we love in five different ways and, and to make sure that when you're loving your significant other, you love them in the way that they want to be loved, not in the way that you want to be loved. And then also The Way of the Superior Man, the Way of the Superior Man by David Dida is a great book for men about how do you really become masculine, uh, a really masculine man while being sensitive and while really relating to your woman or to your, you know, your husband, if you're gay as a partner, and how do you really connect? Um, and how do you really bring your strong male identity into, into your life? So those two books I recommend, I've read hundreds of books on this stuff. And the, the two best are the five love languages and the way of the superior men. So again, I'm Jim Simcoe. Thank you for checking in on this podcast has been all about how to master love, sex and relationships. I'll have a lot more on these three topics, but I wanted to give you just a general overview today. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. As always, you can reach me at jim at epicalday.com. And that's it. Have a great day out there and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Epic Living Podcast with Jim Simcoe. I hope you have a great day. Feel free to check us out online at jimsimcoe.com. Thanks again. Talk to you soon.